Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the History of Yugoslav Football podcast. Part 3 of our run through the golden age of Yugoslav football, babies. The very best generations of a side go down in history. The Busby Babes, the Lisbon Lions and many more. Up there with them are the early 1960s generation of Partizan, the Partizanove Bebe, or the Babies of Partizan. The period of dominance they're about to enter isn't just historic because of it being a good side or in their own individual achievements. It's an era in which Partizan and Svenas Fiesta's rivalry became not as two parts of a big four, but as the two predominant sides of an entire decade from 1955 to 1965. And their eternal derby became not just the meeting of two sides from Belgrade, of which the 1950s had seen Brodniki and OFK in prominent positions equal to both Partizan and Sviesta, but the meeting of THE two sides in Belgrade. At the point at which we begin this episode, many of these pieces are already in place. Soskic, Yusufi, Galic, Miladinovic, Vasovic, Sabinac, Radovic, Sombolac and Kovacevic were all already at the club, with the likes of Ljubomir Mihailovic and Mustafa Hasnagic both entering the first team within a couple of years, and Primaya, Kurkovic, Rasovic and Besijaj to join as we go from the early 1960s to the mid-1960s. This was the most politically powerful club in the nation, a club which had used that political heft on occasions, and they had to combine a generation of truly homegrown talent from within the club with the cream of the crop that they could obtain from everyone else. The first season of the babies becoming men would be the 1960-61 season, which would feature three other new initiatives, the first two directly impacting this season, the other the following season. Number one was the move of the Fairs Cup to an almost single season competition, beginning in September 1960 and ending in October 1961, approximately one month after the following season's competition had begun. It would continue with that peculiar schedule until the 1968-69 edition, but we are also, finally, in the last season of city teams rather than actual clubs. On this occasion, the Zagreb 11 lost in the first round to Barcelona, while Belgrade defeated Leipzig in a playoff after a 6 all draw over the two legs before getting hammered by Inter in the quarterfinals. The second innovation was the advent of the Cup Winners' Cup. As noted in the previous episode, the Metropa Cup is about to rapidly decline from prominence and become very second-rate, but the Metropa Cup's organising committee was going to deliver a very pleasant present, the Cup Winners' Cup. It took three years of existence for UEFA to recognise it, but Yugoslavia would be one of the first nations to take part in what would be, for the first season at least, a Central and Western European affair. No Spain, no Portugal, but there was Scottish and English representation in this first edition. Obviously, 
as reigning cup holders, it was Dinamo who were entrants for Yugoslavia. In the first round, they would get beyond Ruda Hvesta Birno, yes, another red star, before falling 4-2 on aggregate to eventual winners Fiorentina in the semi-finals. The final competition to note is the first ever Balkans Cup. For a time, this will be a very important competition in the region as, while Yugoslavia will get representation in the Fairs Cup, other nations around them would not get much at all, and the Balkans Cup would become by default the second most important competition in Europe behind the European Cup in certain nations. It would eventually decline in popularity and importance, but not until the back end of 1970s, because while there are incidents in the competition towards the end of the 60s, the entry for clubs into the other European competitions, such as the Fairs Cup turning into the UEFA Cup, would not be reformed until later. Even beyond its peak, it would be won by recognisably notable teams up until the very end of its history in the 1980s. FK Sarajevo would be Yugoslavia's first entrance from the second season onwards. Bert's Fiesta entered this season having dropped off slightly was visible straight away. Losing comprehensively to Hungary's Uipesti in the European Cup, as, for the first time, a team not called Real Madrid would win the competition. Barcelona having knocked them out in the first round proper, on their way to being losing finalists to Benfica. The domestic season would be a three-team race between Partizan, Svenes Fiesta and Hajduk. Hajduk would suffer from a poor start to the season, and while they finished the season on fire, a late 4-0 loss to Partizan would do for their chances. However, Partizan had a depth of goal-scoring talent that was just too much. They scored 15 more goals than any other side as they won the title by a point over Svenis Fiesta. At the bottom of the league, the Masters of the Danube will be mastered by all, as Ratniki Belgrade went down scoring only 8 points all season, and promoted Aaron Kajsplit would join them, having finished a point behind Vardar and Velez directly ahead of them. The season would, however, be Macedonia's greatest moment in the sun so far. Fardar overcame Partizan in the second round, Radniki in the quarterfinals, and then RNK split in the semi-finals to reach the final of the Yugoslav Cup against Vartex Farajdin of the second tier. Vlado Nikolovsky and Mirko Ilyevsky would both score early in the second half to secure a 2-1 win in what would arguably be the club's greatest ever achievement. Why the arguably is there will come in an episode far in the future. The following season, there will be one last innovation in European football. The first ever Intertoto Cup. At this point, and until 1995, it would essentially serve as a pre-season tournament that would, for its first six years, actually have a proper final and winner. And then, when that became too hard to schedule, just a bunch of groups that, until the mid-90s, didn't even provide a European place. Maribor qualified for Europe through it once in 2006, and that's honestly about as much relevance as it will ever have to our story.
Yugoslavia's first entrance in the Balkans Cup would have a touch of farce around them, primarily due to Turkish clubs who chose to, well, only face the sides they'd have some sort of nationalist annoyance with. Galatasaray played Olympiakos twice and then pulled out, and Fenerbahce would, as soon as it was no longer mathematically possible for them to win, simply not bother to turn up to games. Sarajevo would manage a win and a draw in their four games, drawing against Olympiakos and defeating the reigning Balkans Cup holders, Romanians Stigl Roshu Brasov, a red flag as opposed to a red star, both results coming in Sarajevo. Farah's greatest achievement would be followed by a cup of coffee spell in the Cup Winners' Cup, winning in Skopje 2-0 over Dunfermline before being turned over 5-0 in the away leg. Dunfermline, at this point, were managed by none other than Jock Steen, so we will perhaps excuse Vardar their misfortune in Scotland, given their opponents possessed perhaps football's greatest ever manager, taking his first steps in European competition. The league itself was set to prepare for an expansion back to 14 clubs for the 1962-63 season, but through promoting four clubs rather than reducing relegation places. The big victims of this would be Vardar, who would end up relegated by a single point and, perhaps being the first club ever to give rise to the be careful what you wish for, of smaller clubs gaining European qualification. Borac Banyaluka would be relegated also. Similarly to Vardar's win the previous season, the 1962 Cup would also be won by a side outside the Big Four. On this occasion, the Romanticari of the of OFK convincingly defeating Spartak 4-1. In the second tier, we would see our first mention in the record books of NK Maribor, being as this would be their first full season of existence after the previous club in the city, Branik, was dissolved. Before we continue, it's worth explaining just how they were dissolved. In the 1959-60 season, Branik were involved in a promotion playoff to get into the second tier against NK Karlovac. Karlovac won the first leg 2-0 and travelled to Maribor for the second leg. At dinner, on the night before the game, the Karlovac side was served with poisoned pancakes and came down with sudden and severe diarrhoea. 10,000 people were at the ground the following day waiting for a game that never happened. Of 31 people travelling with the Karlovac side, 24 would fall in. Branick was dissolved as a result, and the whole thing ended up in the courts, at which Branick were acquitted of any wrongdoing. Later, it would come out that a board member of Branick, Ivan Vulbich, would have, would have bribed a waiter to mix laxatives into the food, and the rest is history. To this day, the current NK Maribor still carry the name Branick within their title, albeit never, it's never actually used. So if you ever wonder where the NK Maribor of today comes from, they come from poo. Coming up out of the second tier from this season would be the returners Zeliesnikar, returners Budugnost, Sloboda Tuzla, and, for their first appearance in the timeline, Radniki Nish, soon to become the Real Sanichave. Third in the Western League of the Second Flight would be another new team to the timeline, Tresnivka. 
over the next few years, the swift rise and fall of this almost forgotten side will be one of the stories of the mid-60s. But to bring this episode to a close, we return to the top flight and to Partizan and to a title procession. That they won the league by five points was impressive enough. That they did it having lost three of their final four games of the season perhaps shows just how far ahead they really were of Vojvodina in second and Dinamo and Sviesta just behind. Partizan's babies had grown into men and had gone as far in the European Cup as knocking out a strong sporting Lisbon side before falling to Juventus in the second round. Europe, for now, however, could wait. Because South America was calling. Next time on the podcast, the babies travel to Chile as Yugoslavia go to the 1962 World Cup and find that for the third World Cup in a row, the West Germans will be waiting for them. Thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. If you haven't left a review, please do. Every little uh, helps in trying to get this podcast to a wider audience. Uh, I do very much appreciate uh, the time you take in listening to uh, this podcast and I hope certainly I'm providing some entertainment for you at uh, this time. And I will see you next time.